Welcome back to Knocked Up the Podcast from Women's Health Melbourne with Dr. Raylia Lou. Welcome, Dr. Raylia. Hi. Part four and final part. Final part of PCOS. Final part of PCOS. So complicated, who knew? Today we're talking about having PCOS and not trying to get pregnant, how we deal with it. Okay, over to you. So I think the most important part of this kind of the take-home message is that Polycystic ovarian syndrome needs the care of a multidisciplinary team. Yes. And so this is not something that once diagnosed, you ignore. That's right. And it's one of these things that does get better as you get older, yeah. as our ovarian reserve goes down. So that's the, okay. the... The plus size to, as you call it, advanced age. That's right. It's just a silver lining <laughs> to the right. cloud. That's yeah. right. That <laughs> our ovaries lose their polycysticness as we lose our eggs. Um, but it, it is one of those things that... Because it can affect different systems, you may need different specialists to help you manage. Right. Which is why under Australian care, you have what's called a care plan. That's right. And that's available from your GP. Yep. So in terms of optimizing your lifestyle, mm-hmm. it's important, I believe, to have advice from a dietitian nutritionist yep. and also from an exercise physiologist. Yes. Because there are particular things that we can do with PCOS, um, as we mentioned in our first episode, like weight based um, resistance training that mm-hmm. can be extremely helpful. Yes. Uh, and yes, all be doing weights, women. And treating your metabolism um, with respect and trying to optimise it yep. can really make other treatments for PCOS much more effective. Okay. So having that professional advice yes. um, is really important yep. because we've all tried to wing it and it's, it's just not as good as when we yep. bring in the professionals. It helps control the symptoms, which as we covered earlier, Weight gain, hard to lose weight, possible acne, and a bit being a bit hairy. All things none of us want. Yeah, and lifestyle changes can be really powerful. Yeah. So they're part of the multidisciplinary team. Depending on whether your skin is really bothering you or whether you have hair loss um, from your head, yep. uh, you might need a dermatologist. Okay. And there are some dermatologists who have a particular interest in PCOS. And your GP may know them or you can always have a look on the internet in your local area. But having a dermatologist's input can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. When you're not trying to conceive, if acne is a really serious problem, especially cystic acne, there are some things that we can use in terms of medications to really get on top of it. One of those things is the pill. But dermatologists can also specifically prescribe things like Roaccutane. Okay. And also other topical preparations, yep. um, minoxidil. Loracotone is not a very nice drug. No. So it's not something you can take if you're trying to get pregnant okay. because it can cause birth defects. So that's something to really, if you do end up being referred to a dermatologist as part of your care plan, it's really important that if you are trying to get pregnant, now I know we're not talking about that in this episode, but if you are, that you explicitly say that because it will affect your treatment. Absolutely. And look, there are there are lots of really great tools in our kind of tool chest that we can use for managing the symptoms of PCOS in yeah. women who aren't trying to get pregnant yeah. that unfortunately are off the table if you are. And even if you're not, Roaccutane, not so nice. Make sure you know everything about it before you take it. Yeah. So Roaccutane is one of these drugs that's really used to treat really severe cystic acne. It's temporary and yeah. while you're taking it, there are yeah. some pretty serious it's side effects. Sometimes for rosacea and a few other things. Yeah. Yeah. So, but these things can be, you know, prescribed by a dermatologist. 
There's also some other skin treatments that might be helpful, like laser, if you do have some scarring or you do need some um, skin surfacing issues because of the the scarring from PCOS. And you probably want to go through a dermatologist for those treatments Absolutely. Than your, your high street salon that yeah. has a laser. And also because what happens with medical professionals is that we act as a team and we communicate with each other and so you really need somebody to be your primary caregiver with your with your PCOS and often that's your reproductive endocrinologist actually so someone like myself or um, some gynecologists have a special interest Um, and some endocrinologists have a special interest, but a subspecialist reproductive endocrinologist is kind of the best of both worlds between an endocrinologist and a gynecologist in terms of PCOS. Okay. And um, it, I would also recommend you seeing a CREI because when it does come time to try to conceive, yeah. um, the same person will be able to help you. Right, from start to finish. Exactly. And, and will not have known your journey with PCOS. Absolutely. Yeah. Another important thing in the management of PCOS, um, if you are on any medication that can cause birth defects like Aracutane or like Spironolactone, which is sometimes used, which is an anti-androgen that can help with hair um, growth when it's excessive and can help with skin, is while you're on those drugs that can cause birth defects, you need to be on reliable contraception so that you can't accidentally get pregnant because the advice if you did get pregnant on those drugs might be to terminate a pregnancy. So I'm just going to say again, Treatment for PCOS is holistic and multidisciplinary and you want to make sure that everyone is talking back to your initial referrer. Yeah, absolutely. And to each other. So, for example, if I have a patient who's under the care of a GP and a a dietitian and a um, dermatologist, when I write a letter back to the referrer, I'll I'll include those other kind of team members so so that everyone's in the loop. Exactly. Because we we need to work together. We've all got unique skill sets. We all bring different perspectives um, to the situation. And the team is always greater than the sum of its parts. Absolutely. And it's something that can be kept under control. And everything is much better if it is. Yeah, absolutely. The other part um, of PCOS that's really important is endometrial protection. We spoke about that a little bit in one of the previous episodes. But basically, you need to have a period. We're meant to have a period. The lining periodically exactly so the lining of your uterus is not meant to just grow and grow and grow it needs to grow and shed and I always say there's estrogen and progesterone and they are the yin to the yang right so the estrogen dominates the first part of the menstrual cycle then ovulation happens Mm -hmm. and from the corpus luteum which is the kind of the place in the ovary that released the egg uh, it's it becomes a little endocrine or hormone making factory Mm -hmm. and it makes progesterone Mm -hmm. And while estrogen's job is, it's all about getting pregnant really, even when you're not trying. So estrogen's job is to make a soft cushiony lining for the embryo to implant in. And then progesterone's job is to kind of tuck the embryo into bed and kind of, you know, just complete those changes to make the endometrium really receptive. And if the embryo doesn't come along or if an embryo comes along, tries to implant and is unsuccessful, or if you're not trying to get pregnant, nothing happens. Yes then the lining passes its use-by date and you have a period. If you don't ovulate, which can be the reason why periods aren't regular in PCOS, you can have a prolonged estrogen-dominant phase. So the the first cycle where the estrogen just grows and grows and grows, um, it can just keep growing and growing. And what can happen is cells can become abnormal Mm -hmm. and they can even become a cancer. So it is really important with PCOS that we do shed our lining or that we don't grow one in the first place. And we can affect that by either 
using lifestyle modification to completely regulate your cycle. That's best case scenario. Sure. Or um, using something like the pill. Yes. Because while you're on the pill, the lining is protected. Yes. And that also is quite good if you're using other methods like, for example, skin control methods that cause birth defects because we know that when you're on the pill... It can affect your skin. Yeah. Well, not only that, but you don't get pregnant. So it protects you against unwanted pregnancy. And so unplanned pregnancy. And so it's kind of like a double benefit. And you're right, the pill's great for your skin. So there are a few different pills that we can use for skin. Some are better than others. Some pills actually have what we call an anti-androgenic effect, which means um, the progesterone in the pill generally... Um, has a has a down regulatory effect on the androgen receptor or a blocking effect, mm-hmm. and what that means is that the pill actually blocks the kind of receptor um, to androgens, and so the downstream complications of having high androgens are reduced. Yep. The other thing that the pill does is at the level of our liver, it increases uh, androgen binding protein called sex hormone binding globulin mm-hmm. or SHBG. And um, basically what that means is uh, the bound fraction of testosterone in your bloodstream, when we tie up testosterone, you can't, you can't work. Just like when you tie up a robber, you can't rob a bank. Okay. So when you tie up testosterone, it can't cause trouble. Yes. So the sex hormone binding globulin is like the cop that ties up the robber. Okay. And um, the pill induces it. So if you have high sex hormone binding globulin, yes, you might have a lot of testosterone, but a lot of it's tied up. Okay. So... That also is another way that it also reduces acne and other side effects of of extra hair. Remembering that hair actually grows in phases. So it can take... That's right. And it can take up to three months to have maximum effect of therapies when you use things like the pill and when you use things like other anti-hair growth drugs. Exactly. To have the maximum effect because you have to wait till you've gone through all the phases. Okay. Yeah. So... In terms of uh, other symptoms of PCOS, someone with PCOS do also have psychological issues associated with it. Yeah. And we know that from studies, there's a very great study from, um, or a great review of studies by Jean Hales. So if you want to read more about all of this in, in a lot of details, I'd recommend that as a resource. If you just Google PCOS and Jean Hales, you'll find the recent edition. Um, but it does go into the fact that women with PCOS are more likely to have things like anxiety and depression and also body image concerns. Yes. And is that, is, is that caused by the PCOS as in medically or is that sort of psycho, purely psychological? I think we don't really know. Okay. And both are possible. I mean, hormonal imbalances can cause mood effects. Okay. Uh, as can the treatments like the yes. pill. And it's really hard to tease that out. Okay. But if you are suffering those kind of symptoms, your GP, as you're part of your care plan, can also refer you for psychological support. Okay. And there are clinical psych- psychologists who do have a particular interest in PCOS. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so that, there's so much help There's out there. so much help. Yeah. And the most important thing is just that um, kind of we recognise that this is a multi-system concern and that... Uh, we work best as a team and to make sure that you get all the right help in all the right places. Thank you, Raylia. That concludes our four-part series on PCOS. For further information and treatment, it's really best if you see your CREI subspecialist or reproductive endocrinologist and definitely go to womenshealthmelbourne.com.au 
there's a lot of information about PCOS on the website. Thank you. Thank you.